you are listening to the Kinetic Man Podcast. I'm Stuart. And I'm David. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living a life defined by uncommon action that is full of purpose, adventure, and meaningful relationships. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours and together achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to leave the potential life behind and become kinetic men. Men. Connect Men Retreats. If you've not been to one, we're on our fourth iteration, September 27th through 29, Empire, Colorado. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. You will come there. One man, you'll leave a changed man. You're going to be surrounded by a group of ninja individuals. You're going to eat. We're going to keep you active so that you don't get too fat because the food is amazing. The You're going to be spoiled with, with just the, the, the level of the retreat. But I'll tell you, it is such a life-changing event that you are absolutely missing out if you do not participate in one of these events. So come join us. Go to thekineticman.com, sign up, be different, be better, do something, get it. I, I'm never second, just just to start this off, just so I can have first You words. just jumped in to, so that you technically be first speaking, but Stu, I hate to break it to you. You are never second. Typically, you're like way further in the pack, right? Like fifth, sixth, <laughs> seventh, or eighth. So yeah, you're you are not you are not second. You're you're correct. Hey, let me ask you um, this before we introduce our guest. Speaking of never being second, does your youngest son always try to like be first at everything in front of your other two kids? Like always try to beat your kids to like be the first to shower, be the first to get food, be the first to do whatever oh, I, and like i wish that would make like bedtime quicker and like no but he he is the first to like throw face punches which is something that i'm like why why is this like why do you go to that dude like why why what have we done as parents to completely uh you know raise a barbarian like a you know a caveman that, it makes, that makes me feel better. Throws blows before we can't work anything out with words. Like everything has to be a face punch. So it makes me feel better because uh, my son's the exact same way. He's well, Brandon, you have you have three. What? Well, yeah, I was actually going to say my. You know, I have a. I have my oldest is ten, and my twins just turned eight. But my daughter, who is actually the oldest of the two twins, she will try to be the first one uh, to do all the things and. She actually can and does like she can beat both the boys in a race. She's nice. super athletic. She's very competitive. So I, I, I feel you a little bit on that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll like, st- I'll like send my daughter to go like get a shower and my son will like, no, I'm going first. And he'll like run upstairs to like, just, just to, just to make her angry, just to like jump into the shower right before she does. Just to, like... uh, so you, what you're saying is that you frame the question poorly. All right. And, and I, I think the question, the, the, the appropriate question and the question that many of us can answer differently is, will your kids do anything to fight? I think that Fair. is appropriate. That's I think question. that's a very appropriate question because the answer to that question is yes. So if being first in the shower will elicit a response that he desires and whatever the, whatever the motivation for that desire is, I don't know. But then, yes, he, he will. Uh, I'm brushing my teeth right now. Oh, this is my bathroom. And then I have to remind all of them, hey, guys, um, who here pays mortgage? <laughs> None of these bathrooms are your bathrooms. They're all my bathrooms on loan to you, rent-free. 
we could change all of these things, right? So, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Well, it, you know, not fully. I, I think it's interesting this topic with kids and and uh, you know, I've, I've been having this conversation a lot lately with adults who are parents who are trying to um, shelter their children from all hardship. And and I think a, a very good question to ask, and this is not going to be the, the full topic of our of our conversation with Brandon Jones today, but but what does successful parenting look like? What does success in general look like? Applied professionally, personally, parenting. And I think if we dug deeper into these types of questions, we would come out with answers that would cause us to conduct ourselves differently in the home and in our businesses and within our friendships, our relationships, because we would have a picture for what we wanted and we would have a picture for what we want our children to become. It's very different than what they are um, and for ourselves, right? And so, Brandon, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. You know, we you you uh, you and I met fortuitously talking about kids. Um, our kids happen to be on the same basketball team. Our youngest, yeah. And uh, I, you know, I, I, you're very you stand out in a crowd uh, <laughs> because you're about eight and a half feet tall. And and I don't know what drew you know what drew the conversation, but I, I remember this is something that Stu and I talk about all the time. Um, you know, I said hello. And you immediately said hello, and we started talking. We found that we had a lot of commonality. And before we left that, that was before our last retreat back in May. So this is we probably met in March. Um, I'm like, dude, I think you really need to come speak to a group of men at a retreat. I called Stu and Stephen. Was like, hey, I said hello to a guy. I think he's our our speaker. He's awesome. He's a ninja. And then it just went from there, right? And now we're looking at our next retreat here in a few weeks, and you're going to be the guest speaker there. And dude, I just love what you're about. Uh, I love the message. I love the the science that you, you know, the, the, the rigor, the 20 years plus of rigor that you put into your process. And so that's what I'm excited about talking about today. So tell us, Brandon, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, you know, uh, just paying respect and gratitude, like had you not said hello, uh, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to work with the group that I did last time. And uh, I'm big into building relationships. That's, that's, that's really what I do is I build relationships and I support others in building relationships. Uh, and, and, and David, since you and I began building a relationship, like it's been prosperous for me and I've got to meet other people and network out. So it's just been amazing. Um, so thank you for that and that opportunity. Uh, so it's really interesting when people ask me what I do, cause it, that that's a fully loaded question. Um, what, probably the, the first thing that I do outside of being a father and a husband is, um, I am the executive director of a charter school organization. Um, and that organization is called Compass Academy here in Denver. Uh, I've been 20, over 20 years in education. Uh, I was, a cut my teeth as a public school teacher in the Bay area in California, uh, opened my own school out there, ran that, uh, built it out to a 612, came back home, uh, to Denver. And uh, somewhere in the midst of that 20 plus years, uh, probably about 12 years ago, I started a consulting business. Um, and it really came out of uh, when I when I opened my school, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, uh, and, and when I talked to a mentor of mine and asked, like, you know, how do I do this? Like, really, if I'm going to try to run this school. And he said the best advice in the world to me. And because he knew me as a classroom teacher, he was my principal when I was at public school. And he said, Jones, if you can get a whole school to feel the way that your classroom felt, then you'll do just fine. That's the only advice he's ever given me. 
And it's probably the best advice I've ever gotten from anybody in my life. So that's what I did. I set out to make my whole school feel like my classroom did. And that was based off of relationships and positive, strong relationships. And so um, the consulting that I did was people coming to my school and being like, how do we get our school to feel like your school? Um, and so I just started helping people out. Then I started, you know, charging people money for it and it started doing okay. And the, that kind of turned itself into like, really, what is it? What is that the foundation of, of building relationships? Um, whether that's because you're trying to find success, you're trying to redefine success, uh, you switch careers and it's a different type of success you've never felt before, whatever that might be. And, and not just success as far as like financial and money, like, what does it mean to be successful emotionally? What does it mean to be successful and win at home with your family and your kids as we kind of started talking about it first? Um, and so that created this whole idea of like competency-based research and competency-based learning. And when I say competencies, I mean things like growth mindset, uh, metacognition, communication, self-awareness, uh, goal navigation. Um, and so I I kind of built this idea out of that and and it's not a one size fits all, right? So if you're going to do some competency-based work, it's a lot of intrinsic uh, understanding and a lot of, actually a lot of intrinsic conflict of yourself kind of battling through where you're at. And then what kind of things can you do to continue to improve yourself that lead to your definition of success? Um, that's a, that's a kind of a, a surreptitious way of, of saying that. Uh, and people might hear and be like, yes, I still don't know what you do. And it's like, yeah, I got you. Just try it. <laughs> just just do some of the things that just come and hang out with me and just do this stuff with me and you'll see what I'm talking about. Well, and when you use big words like surreptitious, I just want to make sure we can do this offline. When, once we kind of, you know, shut down recording, Stu, we'll explain all these big uh, words to you. And, gotcha. Yeah. And, and really, you know, help <laughs> I was an engineer. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, not, now I read books, but I, I didn't, I just did math back in college. So, well, I only know about four of them. I just, I, I, I strategically use them. He says uh, over and over again. Yeah. So David, I've known you for a while. That's my number two. Uh, in a couple more months, I'll use a third one. And then when I hit four, it's that's it. I'm out. Then you start recycling. I like I love it. I love it. That's good. That's hey good. Jones, you know, you talked a lot about um helping other people get to uh where your classroom was, where that how yeah. that felt, right? Like what was that first classroom like for you? I remember you yeah. telling a story at our first retreat about, you know, the you know, uh, falling off the table. Um, and that was an interesting, uh, story that you, that you share with us, but what, what, what started it? Like, what did that look yeah. like at first? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, and I would love to tell you that I knew the answer at the time, but I didn't, I learned it. Um, and, and all that learning I did, uh, building those relationships with kids and finding my own success. Um, that's what translated over. So you got, you got to understand I'm a six, eight white guy born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. And I found myself in East Palo Alto, uh, in the Bay Area, where I was the only white guy uh, on the campus, uh, on the staff. Uh, that, that's just the way it was. Um, I mean, there might have been a couple other here and there, but trust me, um, it was it was largely Latino, um, Black, Polynesian, and Asian. Um, and so... So, I mean, you fit in yeah, perfectly, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you said I stood out in that basketball gym. You should have <laughs> seen me on that campus. Uh, and, you know, it was... There were, there were phenomenal times and great times. Uh, but I don't think that's where the learning came from around like the competency stuff. It was really the toughest times. Um, and I shared that story at the last one and, you know, and, and another story that I, I won't, you know, tell the whole thing, but I'll, I'll give a snapshot that my first year of teaching, uh, there was a chair that sat empty with flowers and cards on it. 
because in the third month, third or fourth month of school, um, a kid was shot and killed. Uh, that's the community that we lived in. It was it was gang ridden uh, and violence, and that that's a part of that community. Uh, the unfortunate part, what came to light, what we started to hear about this was this kid uh, got into a gang when he was uh, 10 or 11 years old. So fifth or sixth grade uh, had been in the gang until eighth grade. He was, you know, three years into this thing. And this isn't just like a couple kids kicking it uh, at the house. This is uh, pretty intense gang rivalries between two. He knew that people were out to get him and out to kill him for three months before it actually happened. Um, and hearing that and knowing that like that's what he woke up and walked out of the door and walked to school every day, knowing that that could be it as a 12, 13 year old kid like that kind of stuff. Really, it can either make you or break you uh, as a human being. You can hear that stuff and you can have secondhand trauma based on it and you can start to deteriorate yourself and then walk away from the situation or uh, you can jump in with both. Feet. And I jumped in um, and I, I was young, you know, 20 one 22 years old uh didn't really know myself about half the competencies that i just named i was still learning them but uh the kids and those relationships taught me a lot of that um and that's where a lot of that success came from was overcoming those tragedies and overcoming because i'm sure just like in everybody else's life um there's there's a there's a challenge every day uh if not multiple challenges every day and overcoming those and taking the time to stop and reflect on what you did and how that impacts you and how that makes you a better person is the most key part of, of all of this is that that metacognition and that thinking a lot of times people just try to get through it right and just just get through it and move on to whatever the next thing is if you didn't learn something from it it wasn't worth it um so that's what we do a lot of uh you know i run a a, a consulting organization called culture within curriculum uh, that for a long time was just a, a part of schools. And now I've worked with professional athletes, uh, Google, uh, different colleges. Uh, you guys were kind enough to bring me in. Um, there's potentials for some other bigger businesses and some things that, that might come in the future. And it's all rooted out of this idea that like, what is your challenge? Not just can we beat it, but what can we learn from it uh, to become better people and, and make sure that we're understanding our own definition of success and what that looks like and sounds like before we actually step foot into it. I love how you're like, you know, Google and these big companies and the kinetic man, you know, like, you know, all very all similar footing. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, very um, similar. You, you know, I think one of the things that appealed to me about our conversations before you ever came to the retreat and then after, you know, you're at the retreat and did your thing, which is pure magic, by the way. And, and, and that's a hard thing about magic, as you highlighted, it's hard to explain magic, right? It's, it's hard to explain uh, the true impact and, and a lot of things that we do uh, within the mastermind, yeah. whether it's in the mastermind or at the retreat, it's really hard to quantify and to paint a picture of, hey, we're here to focus on being better husbands and fathers and 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 uh, leaders in our community. Like that's what we do. And people are like, uh, okay, what, what's the ROI on that? Well, it, it's kind of hard, I guess, infinite, I don't know. I don't know the yeah. right answer to that. That's right. But one of the things that I love, and you just said it, is it, if you just go through and survive it and don't learn anything from it, from it. And, and I'm just curious, you know, as you go to these bigger organizations or, you know, even, you know, some of the smaller, more, um, more intimate settings, just talking to people, why do you think it's so ubiquitous? Sorry, Stu. Um, why do you think it's so ubiquitous that, you know, because I feel like, so many of us are in that state of just endure 
until the next thing. And whether that's, you know, buying your toys or whether it's mortgage payments or whether it's the next job, whatever it is, man, it just seems like life for so many people. we, We run into it all the time and it's just like, I'm just trying to get through. I'm trying to survive, not ever even considering what thriving looks like. Mm-hmm. What what it from your you know twenty plus years of doing this? Like, yeah. What is the? How can we get past that? How can we communicate a message of that there's something better out there? Yeah, I love that question, and um, I don't know if I have the number one spot on answer, but I can tell you that in in my experience, uh, we're doing what's modeled for us. So it was it might have been modeled to me by my father that like you need to go make money and take care of your family. And that's the number one most important thing, which is correct. But he wasn't modeling reflection, thinking, metacognition, or, or, or goal navigation, you know, because we grew up poor. I, we had no money. So money was a driver for everything for me. So that's what was modeled for me. I think about businesses, like what's modeled from the top down. And I think about, uh, like, I'm an executive director. So I'm, I'm, I'm up at the top in my organization. And I think all the time, like, what am I modeling for my staff and my people? And if I'm just telling people what they need to do or how to be good or how to reflect, but I'm not modeling it and I'm not a part of it and I'm not, I'm not in the trenches doing it with them, then it, then it's not worth it. And I think about a lot of organizations I work with, you'd be shocked at how many times um, pretty big companies will hire me to come in and the executive, the executive assistant and the top tier don't come to the actual session. Um, it's something that they did to their workers, not something they did with their workers. And Mm. then they get to check a box that says, oh yeah, they did that kind of social emotional exploration um, with that one guy that came good. Now we're, we're good for this year. Uh, What's, you know, we'll maybe we'll call them next year and a one and done doesn't work like that. So I think what's happening a lot in my experience is in business, in organizations, in schools, everywhere, People have a million reasons why they're so busy that they can't model the right way, but their expectation is that everybody does it the right way. I love that, dude. But they're not necessarily leading it. You know what I'm saying? So I think if if people could shift that, the the executives at the top level, if they could start to shift, like, what does that mean to really do this work together and be humans together? Um, I think you'd find a lot, a lot different. Like my teachers at my school do not make nearly as much as the schools around us. My satisfaction rate of my teachers is quadruple what it is anywhere else. That's and awesome, so dude. We can't pay them what other people get, but we do the human-centered design work that makes them feel seen and heard. Uh, and that's the goal every time I'm working with any type of group of people is like, what does that really look like? And how can you take that back to you and yours? So before you ask questions, dude, two things I really want to that, that, that hit me. Um, the... The continuous, the propagation of of this type of attitude, this type of um, you know mindset and living life, we have a responsibility as parent. If you're a parent and you look at your kids, it becomes very real. This idea of modeling becomes very real. And so, if you want your kids to behave, to stop yelling, like I notice, I'll, I'll be like, "Stop yelling!" <laughs> I'm yelling at them to stop yelling, and I'm and I, and it's not lost on me, right? And I'm like, "Huh." So then I'll pull them aside and be like, hey, when I yelled, you know, but but I'm now with my kinetic dudes, like I am much more intentional and aware of these things. Like in the past, I just yelled at them and be like, stop yelling. You guys are acting crazy and blah, blah. And then I'm acting crazy. Now, you know, there's a lot more introspection and and challenge with these men that have made me uh, way better than I was. 
So there's that that side of it, the the side of hey, if you want something out of if you, not for your life, dude, look at your kids. Do you want them to have the best possible life? Do you want them to have friends? Yes. Okay. Why don't you have any friends? Do you want them to have fun? Of course I do. Okay. Cool. Then why don't you have fun? And and a, an important one that we just talked about with uh, one of the topics is family. This one really hit me hard. I know it hit Stu. Um, we were going through the reflection period and, and challenging these men to do some some something about it. And sibling came up quite a bit. And it was, I think, until we framed it in a way that, do you want your kids to be close for the rest of your their lives? I do, absolutely. Okay, then why aren't you talking to your sister or your brother? Oh, ouch. How do you think your how do you think your mom feels when she looks at the way you guys interact with each other? Ooh, that hurts. Yeah. So you want something better for your kids. It's not about you and your sibling. Put that junk aside and look and model for your children what you want them to become as adults. Yep. And so it's so powerful. So I think there's one thing there. And then the money thing, dude, the money thing. When people talk about success, they immediately default to money. Typically, mm-hmm. kinetic men don't. But we still, obviously, we still struggle with that. But dude, you hit a huge point, right? Your satisfaction rates are way up here and it's not about pay. Yep. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, sorry, Stu, I'll say this and I'll shut up. Uh, no, it's, this one's about you, buddy. Uh, uh, you, you said something that, that that I do a lot of myself. We practice here at school. We we Everything I do with my staff and my teachers is so that they can do that with kids. Because if people were doing this work with me when I was 11, 12, and 13 years old, it might have set me on a completely different trajectory. Um, and I might have reached my definition of success even faster than, than what I was able to do. Um, and maybe not had to learn it the hard way so many damn times uh, along the way. But something that, that that we model a lot is um, this is the, the age old question, right? You see a little kid, kid walks up, it's your it's your nephew, it's a neighbor, it's a whoever, and you're talking to him. Somewhere in the first five minutes, you're gonna say, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's like the most common question in the world. And uh, the, the, the range of answers from doctor, lawyer, fireman, police officer, like the very traditional ones, astronaut, right? Like we hear that all the time. Um, and then kid goes on about his day. I don't know. He probably doesn't become an astronaut. Uh, very few people do. Uh, and then that question is lost on everyone. The question that, that we're asking a lot of and the, the work we really do is, yeah, what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Great. Uh, that is probably going to change in, in three months. Something that's not going to change is, is who are you scared of becoming? Uh, who are you afraid to become? Who do you not want to be? Uh, and typically those people are in your life, whether that's a sibling, a parent, an uncle, um, someone you're related to is, is someone that pops up. That's like, I do not want to be that person. Great. If you don't want to be that person, what are the things you need to do now and forever going forward to not become that person? And it's not go make a million dollars because you can still be a jerk with a million dollars. Uh, it's, it's a lot of this, this internal work about who you are as a person, how you're living your life and how you're modeling that for others in, in support of not becoming the, the person that you're afraid of becoming. So you make a, a point about doing the internal work. I think from experience for the longest time of not doing internal work on myself uh, and now talking with other men about this idea of doing internal work, it's very rare. Yeah. And and I'm just kind of questioning really like why? what Why is it so rare 
that we as human beings don't take the time to do the internal work that's so important that like could be a life changing, mm-hmm. right? That could like just boost the trajectory of like what you are made for to go and do. Why don't we do it? Yeah. I, you know, one big part of that is, is, is what society tells us our role is as men, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're supposed to bring home the money. Uh, you're supposed to, you know, support your family financially so that everything else can, can fall into place. That never happens. <laughs> like even if, even if I won the lottery and I got billions and billions of dollars, I still have challenges every single day. I still have my own emotional needs and my own emotional struggles. And if I don't, work through that and have the exercises to actually bring that to the surface and the people to talk to about it, then I'm, then I'm not going to do it. And a group like, like the kinetic man offers that space, right. In in a way that we just talked about businesses and organizations, they're not getting it at work. You know, the majority of men are not going to work and having human centered design led by their executive directors in, in order to make them better people. So they're not getting it at work and they've got a family at home like when would you have time to do any of that stuff? And so one part of that, I think is society telling us like, no, you, you're not allowed to show emotion like that. Cause you're a man. Another part is like, we're busy. <laughs> we're busy people. Uh, and, and I could, anybody could make a laundry list of the things that we, we did today and how many things we have to do tomorrow. And somewhere in there, where do we find the time to do the work uh, on ourselves and with other people? So that's why I love the, this whole concept of, of kinetic men and the, these gentlemen coming together and having a space to do that is super powerful. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, and I really appreciate that because, you know, as a future member of the kinetic man mastermind, I just, I really, uh, want to use the, you know, that it, those impressions and it's, it's really <laughs> powerful. Hey, um, I'm curious because a lot of times, you know, building off Stu's question, there's there's a lack of this thing right and and it is special and it's unique and we absolutely treasure i mean we're very selfish in the fact that we created this business because we benefit probably more so than yeah. any single member in there because we have all the group that we're interacting with and and all those points of views it's amazing um but but i'm curious how can you like where and how do you start this important work? Because I think a lot of the reason why it's so far reaching that men are, whether it's societal societal or cultural or however that works, that you're not doing it, especially as a man. I'm curious, and I I'm sorry, and I'm also I think that that wall seems to get higher and higher and higher. Yeah. Like, man, the the you know, the 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 boundary to entrance just continues to grow and like you just get to that point where you're just trying to survive instead of thrive you just don't do it so how can somebody practically today no matter where they're at start this important work yeah i this is is awesome um and and i can tell you i think the beginning of it and the start of it is not hard um and we did an exercise uh in the last retreat that was centered around gratitude uh, and, and, you know, the long short of that is it, it's the only scientifically proven way that you can boost your own level of joy or happiness is by showing that authentic gratitude to someone else. If you read a book about that and you can internalize, OK, that's gratitude. Great. But you don't do anything with it. Then it's a wash. Right. Like, so what are those small practices 
that you can start doing in your daily or weekly lives that science says is the right thing for us to be doing as, as humans, right? And I, I mentioned in there that I, I practice this thing called Thankful Thursdays, right? Where on my way home from work, I just call somebody and give authentic praise and gratitude to them for whatever, because of their role in my life, because uh, what they helped me out with when I was a kid. Um, and you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked at how I, I get text messages from these people like weeks later, like, yo, I just want to say thanks again for that phone call, man. Like I haven't, that's the impact that has when you start paying that forward like that. So I think, how do you start doing it? First, you need a couple tools, right? You got, you got to, somebody's got to help you find some tools. And, and that's a lot of what I do is, is help people explore a little bit because I can tell you the gratitude thing, but if that's not what you need in your life, if that gratitude thing isn't, isn't the, the catalyst that's going to start it, then I'm just selling to you what I sold to the guy last week and it was the wrong thing. So like first do that internal work of what is the competency or what is, what is the the thing that I want to grow on? And then what are the exercises to help bring that to the surface? And then what's the commitment going forward that, that I can work on with that? So um, the toughest thing about those self-help books um, is, is one, I don't have the time to read them all. Like <laughs> I got a family, I got a job. And even when I do read them, then I'm by myself to try to figure out what to do with it. Like you need a group, you need support and you need somebody to be a soundboard, uh, even just to listen, whether that's because you need to vent or because you've you got an idea or somebody to help you game plan what that goal might be. Well, and you make a great point. Like there's no shortage of self-help books out there, right? But there is a significant shortage of men and women doing something about those things yep. actually grow. So I, I love the highlight. And then I just want to give this before Stu asks a question again, we do every week. Stu's very good at it. He puts it out as a challenge since May uh, to our inner kind of chat with the, with the kinetic men. He puts that challenge out like, Hey, thankful Thursday. What are you going to do? So we've actually nice. incorporated that very nice. real thing. And, and, and to our listeners, I just want to, we do we do this quite a bit. It's part of this growth, this introspection. Just think about the impact someone reaching out to you has, and and realize like it, just think about oh man, if someone you know if if Stu called me and was like, hey man, I'm just super grateful for you. Like that makes even me. We've been friends for 25 years and best buds and all that kind of stuff. If he were ever to do that, he never has. But if he were ever to do that, <laughs> um, you hey, know, you're never on my call I, list. I call other. People. It would make me feel like mile high, right? It would make me feel very good. And so the point is not how you feel. The point is twisting that and being like, man, I have the ability and the power yep. very simply to do that for nobody's going to receive your phone call and be like, oh, yeah. you called and expressed your gratitude for me being in your life. That's terrible. Never call me again. And if they do, that's like a great indicator. Like just take that person completely out of your life yeah. because like th th that's just not that's just not what you need. But I'm just saying, you know, just to be conscious of the fact that you have the power to make somebody feel special. And it's very, very simple. Dude, I, I'll tell you, uh, I've been doing that exercise for 12 years now um, with hundreds, if not thousands of people. Uh, and it's without a doubt, it's typically sometime from August to November um, that I'll get that phone call uh, from either one of my old teachers or one of my old students, um, because this is the time of year when we typically do that, that exercise with our staff. And and what's a trip about this is at my school when we do it, uh, and, and keep that in mind, we do that with kids in a school. 
there's not a lot of schools that are doing that with people. Like the school is the place for standards and the textbook and the test. And like, that's not my school. Like, that's not what we do. We model it and we practice it. So at my school, what happens a lot is they'll prep the exercise with kids. They get ready to do it. And then the adult in the, the teacher in the room actually calls their person in front of all the kids and models what that emotion, raw emotion that comes to the surface on both parts. Um, and that that's the like, that's the impact on the kids. And when they see that and they hear that, they can't help but want to be a part of it. And that's where I'm talking about, like, you can read it in the book, but if you don't do the thing. And my my teachers freak out when I tell them, like, call in front of the kids because they're they're scared, they're nervous, like everything. And then every single time, the first time whenever I hire a new teacher and they do it, they come back like, man, that was so great. Like, I've never had a day at work like this before. And I'm like, welcome to Compass. Nice job. So that's so rad, man. So, so uh, I just want to show you on our, on our account. I don't know if you can see it, but yeah. thankful Thursdays at the top there every Thursday it's, it's on the kinetic man uh, calendar. Uh, so everyone that has their link to the calendar is, it has it on there as a reminder to do it. Uh, thankful Thursday. So that's all from you, man. It's all from the last <laughs> retreat. And I want to go a step further with that though. Like, you know, to your point of, yeah, you can read it in a book. Um, but you know, and, and, you know, but you, if you don't take action on it, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I would even go a step further. Like, you know, Goody and I are, are hold each other accountable to a lot of things. Um, and I would say that even, even if you have like an accountability partner, like someone to say like, Hey, go, you need to do this. You need to go, go do it. How are you doing on this? To go through an, an experience at a retreat, like we did, you know, to go through like the lesson and to like understand, you know, the science behind it and understand like why it does what it does and then to go do it mm-hmm. and then to come back and see 15 other men with like tears coming down their faces and to see the impact that it had on each individual and come together and talk about it as a group. Like it has stuck with me. Right. And, and it's not. And so like, it's beyond reading a book. It's beyond just a one-on-one accountability. It's, it's being in a group and a tribe that you go do that together and you see the impact that it has. Like that's changed me. For forever. Yeah. Right. And it was just coming to that one event. And, and I know you have so many more of those, <laughs> uh, you know, in this thing you call human centered design. And, you know, we, we have kind of centered our focus on these retreats of redefining success. Right. And there's no money number. There's no number of houses, number of doors. There's no uh, materialistic thing in my world that would be more successful than that feeling of joy and gratitude and thank you know that that pure joy like to me that's success yeah right and and so you know that's just like one little piece of success you know? yeah. and 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 I'm excited about where this journey is going in our retreats um can you can you dive just can you give a little hint of like what's next yeah. for us yeah uh, I don't want to go into the full thing but yeah, no, I, I I can drop a couple of teasers for you. And yeah. and also you're saying something to me that that's uh, reminiscent of something that we do a lot when we're learning about the human brain uh, and how how we learn things, yeah. but how we also how we retain them for long term. So on any given day, any given minute, any given five minutes, we're using like 90 percent of like our working memory. Right. And that's just the stuff we're doing right now. Uh, and it makes sense right now. But 20 minutes from now, we've probably already forgot about 
whatever it was we were doing. That's that's all working memory. To move things from working memory to long-term memory, you have to apply it. You got to do something with it. Uh, you got to work with it. You got to come back to it, either reflect, think about it, whatever. And so when you're talking about the gratitude thing of like that stuck with you, my belief is, and what science tells us is, it's not because I stood up in front and told you how you're supposed to feel. And, and then you went and did it to yourself. And that pushed it from working memory to long-term memory because you applied it, right? And now that joy factor you're, you're talking about, like when you can create joy for yourself, that's very different than creating happiness, right? Like happiness is a byproduct of a moment. Oh, it's payday. I'm happy. That happiness goes away. Joy is something that resides inside you. And when you can learn to lean on your joy in tough times and not beg or pray that a moment of happiness is going to come change me, when I can lean on my joy, that's a game changer. Um, and so so I just wanted to say that because what you were saying is like, yes, oh, this, so is, good. this is the foundation of a lot of that stuff. So, um, Well, and that's like the, things, that's oh, the really, you know, the the foundation of what when we were creating the kinetic man, why it's the kinetic man is that whole idea of potential to kinetic is, is doing something right. Yep. It's getting out of this potential. Oh man, I could feel this. I, I would, I see all these people around me that have this joy. I could feel this joy. It'd be great to have. I, I wish I, I wish I, right. If only I could. Yeah. And then you, you go to that kinetic and you do something very quickly that, that, that shifts, right. Very quickly. That lever can be pegged on the other side because the, the opposite's also true. The the yep. more you live in that potential, the more you live in the not doing, the more you live in the negativity and the actions that you do uh, just serve to just serve to emphasize that negative, that stuff sticks too, right? And you just have this spiral effect. Yeah. And so I I love that, dude. I love that. Yeah, I, we have full on, I mean, maybe we'll sneak it in there. I've got I got a happiness versus joy um activity. That, that sometimes I do with folks to help kind of highlight that. Uh, the toughest part is I can't help you find your joy, right? Like I can talk to you about mine, like watching my kid hit a baseball for the first time ever will be some in a game will be something that I will never forget. And like that brings a smile to my face, just talking about it out loud, which means that's my joy. I can't give that to somebody else and I can't manufacture that for somebody else, right? So it's about paying attention to those things. But I think for sure one activity uh, that we're going to do is, is, you know, a huge part of being successful in whatever manner you look at it, work, life, relationships, friends, whatever, um, is the concept of empathy. And in order to, to truly understand, you have to understand and, 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 and be self-aware enough of like, what are other people bringing to the table? Um, and I don't mean in benefit of you. I mean, what's in their bucket, right? Like how, how, how much are they bringing to the table or how much do they not have right now? And I think in the business world and in relationships, sometimes we're extremely selfish. Actually, probably more often than not, we're self-centered and thinking about ourselves. And we don't take the time to look at somebody across the room and be like, man, I'm reading something off of you that like you're not in a good spot. And and if we do read it, we like ignore them. But what, what we're going to do is like, no, what do you do about that? <laughs> you, you notice that somebody showed up to your meeting, your house, your office, your whatever, and you're getting a vibe off of them that like they don't have much in their bucket right now. If you're at an opportunity in your own life where you do have a lot in your bucket, what could you do? Like, how could you talk to them? How, how could you, it doesn't mean you have to give them money. It doesn't mean you have to support them financially. It just means that you're in a better space than they are. So showing some empathy and even just 
asking simple questions about how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? Just the mere fact of asking can bring somebody up a level and like, oh, they noticed, they noticed something on me. So we're going to, we're definitely going to do one there, but it's a, it's a bit of a challenge as well. It's a competition. There's probably going to be a lot of shouting and yelling. Um, but I mentioned earlier that that reflection piece is, is, is the key part to that one. So I'm excited about that one. Uh, and then something else that we're, we're probably going to mess around with. I got a couple others for sure that we want to bring. Um, I liked, <laughs> uh, I did not tell y'all last time that you needed to get that close to each other. Uh, when we did the one activity, you decided to do it. And I'm looking at this group of kinetic men who don't mind getting close to each other. So I was like, cool. I know what I'm bringing next time. Let's do it. We're definitely going to be getting close to each other. <laughs> hey man. You give me any excuse to integrate like a hug into a leadership exercise, um, and then the other dudes can't like refuse it. Man, I'm I'm all I'm all in. I'm yeah. all in. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be two two big opportunities for that after we do some shouting and yelling at one another. Um, yeah. So that that first one I talked about, we're gonna do some what we call Rochambeau bead, and then uh, another exercise is gonna be called Survivor Islands, uh, where you're gonna be stuck with a group of dudes on a, on a couple islands. You gotta work your way out. Uh, and then probably I, I'm planning on bringing another one um, called uh, Meet in the Middle. Um, all of these like directly relate to your life uh, immediately after doing them. So my goal is to help with the application and the reflection of it. And then hopefully we can get to some commitments uh, as a group of going forward. And you, you Stu, you keep mentioning uh, accountability, which is such a, a big part of this. Right. And so. Hopefully we can create some what we call accountability buddies and uh, connect with somebody who maybe has the same goal around doing something that you do. And like, how can you help not only hold each other accountable, but be a soundboard in the future? Dude, I love that. I can't wait till the next retreat, man. And, and you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting and it's, it's also something that's very intriguing for us about you is that, you know, we, we had talked about, Hey, let's have uh, Jones kind of train us up and, and, and we can do some of these things. But what I love, because it's somewhat, I mean, I know facts have lost uh, some of the power in today's environment that, that they typically have, but what I love about the things you do is that it's a lot of it is, is very scientifically backed, right? Like you have, you have uh, one of the reasons why we're like, dude, Jones, let's just have a relationship and you do this thing, you do your thing in the future, because as we started talking about each of these topics, you're like, okay, well, here, here's the first la layer and here's an activity. Here's the second layer. Here's an activity. Here's a, here's the 15th layer. And by the, by like the third layer, all of us are just like, dude, you clearly have uh, done a ton of research and you tie the actions to these things to make them permanent. Like it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I, and I love it, but I think they're not, but and it's it's just a it's so powerful in execution to be able to as you said make it stick and i'm just i'm fired up man like i it, it excites me because the things you know the 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 4 hour period that you're really focused at the retreat there's so many life changing things that came out of that that are just i can't imagine just stacking that and stacking it and stacking it and it all builds on each other excuse yeah. me it all builds on each other and also helps you to go deeper not only with yourself, but you talk about accountability. You know, I'm, I'm reminded um, just this past week, I, I talked to Stu and Steven, which is not unusual about some, some, you know, marriage stuff, personal stuff. But there was another dude in the group that I knew was, has been working on his marriage for a while. And so I, I just reached out to him and that's the power of this type of thing, right? There's probably 10 dudes that I could have reached out to on this mm -hmm. one thing 
within the kinetic man group. And we all have this deep level of trust because we've been through some exercises and activities together. We've been vulnerable. We've been honest, but yeah. that's the true power, right? It's not about, and, 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 and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not gonna lie. There's, there's some dudes doing amazing business deals in this group. There's some incredible entrepreneurs doing, whether it's, you know, big real estate things or they're running their own businesses or they have Chick-fil-A's, they have all these different things. Amazing. And they can give you very sound, incredible advice on all these things. But the things that are, that we don't typically talk about are marriages, uh, you know, parenting, the way that we come to our families, the energy we bring or don't bring, you know, the negativity, the, the past traumas that we just bury, especially a lot of our guys are former military guys, you know, the, yeah. the, whether PTSD or, or the things that they're dealing with to have a group of dudes that you can pick up the phone and be like, Hey, and I'll share one story. I'm not obviously going to share a name, but one of the guys in our group was going through some, you know, just some, some mental health stuff, right? Just a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety. And he shared this story with me. He said, he said, you know, I call, I actually reached out for help, professional help. And they always say, are you, are you uh, considering, you know, harming yourself? And he said, I honestly said, to, and he said, he said this to them. He's like, no, that I am definitely struggling. I'm having some mental health issues for sure. Um, but that is one thing that I'm not considering at all because I have a group of dudes surrounding me that love me and, and, and it's a powerful thing. And I was like, Oh, I was blown away, dude. Yeah. I was just like, Oh my gosh. But just to be able to acknowledge that you're having these struggles, that we all have struggles, but then to also be able to recognize that you're surrounded by a tribe that loves you can take you from a place of potential self-harm to, I'm not even considering that in the past I have, I'm not now because of this, but I still need help. And, and so I'm going to go, you know, that, that's what I'm here for. Dude, yeah. that to me, like, how do you put, how do you measure that? Right? Like, how do you put an ROI on that? And so I'm not saying this to be like, yeah, come join the kinetic man and, and, you know, uh, pay membership fees. This is not about that. It's that I want every man, especially dads and husbands to be able to bring that type of, to be able to have that experience. Yeah. You, know, you said, I can't give you your joy. Well, every one of us is capable of that level of joy. Every mm -hmm. one of us is capable of that level of fellowship. Every one of us is capable of that level of thriving in our, in our lives, but very few of us enjoy it. And that's our mission is to be like, dude, let's get more and more dudes to this place where health begets health and, you know, turn that paradigm of, you know, hurt people, hurt people, turn that around yeah. and people who are full of joy can bring others joy, right? That we can show them how to do that. So dude, I, I love how the, the, the process that you go through gets people there and, and you see it reflected in satisfaction rates and my turnover isn't as high as these other schools. My burnout rate is lower. My, my teachers are experiencing a day in a classroom that they've never experienced at work ever before. So all these things are very real and they can happen and it's possible. And so yeah. I love how you get people there. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm selfish. Like I'm extremely selfish and, and I'm the youngest of four boys, grew up in a poor family. Like I love sports and basketball. I didn't have my first brand new pair of basketball shoes. Till I was 18 years old 
and I got selected for a, a, a private team and they gave me the shoes as like everybody got the same shoe. So you got to understand that the way I grew up was like fight for everything. I learned to be selfish to like get things that I wanted or needed. Um, and and what I've been so blessed in discovering is like, it's not about not being selfish. We're human beings. We're hardwired to be selfish. I have control over what I'm going to be selfish for. And so as I've gotten older and I've done this human centered design work with people all over the place, I've found that what I'm selfish for is supporting others and discovering what you just said. Right. And when I see other people turn on that light bulb or like have that moment or show emotion and get emotional and say something they've never said out loud before, that fills me so full that they were able to express themselves. And I'm starting to get selfish for that. Like, how do I continue to be selfish for that? And it's 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 interesting because uh, I was just down in in uh, Tulsa Public School District hired me to do some work with uh, starting with their just their high schools and they eventually want to build it out like six twelve or, or potentially kindergarten through twelfth grade and in Tulsa you can't say certain words uh, when you're working with public school educators because they're so politically charged so like we're doing social emotional work you can't say social emotional education in Tulsa. Uh, I do things based out of competencies. You can't say the word competency to teachers in Tulsa because of the way things have been polarized down there. So I was like, okay, we'll just call it team building and relationship building. They're like that you can say. So it's like just the words I couldn't say everything else I can do. So I, I, I'm down there and I'm working with a group of 20 some teachers with a handful of uh, executive level people in the room. And it's very common to walk into a space with educators or to be honest with you, anybody in any professional development space and they come in pissed off. They're mad the minute they walk through the door because they're like, I know what this is. They're going to tell me what I can and can't do. They're going to put a PowerPoint up. They're going to go through it and then they're going to send me the PowerPoint and like it's a big waste of my time. So I'm down in this room and I'm I'm reading this on every single person coming in the door like, nope, they don't want to be here. Nope, they don't want to be here. And it, it gives me a chuckle because then it's like, it's the challenge, right? Now I got this challenge in front of me. Like, not only do I have to get you to this cool spot, I got I to gotta get you to understand this is not going to be like any other PD you've ever been in. But if I say that out loud, this is not going to be like any other PD. That pisses them off even more because everybody says this is not going to be like any other PD you've ever been in. So I got to spend two days with them down there, uh, two full days from like eight to four every day. And the, the change in that team and that group by the end of the second day was miraculous. Like what they did for each other and how they, they came early on day two. Nobody in the education world comes early to a professional development ever. They got in there early. They're asking questions about the day before. And what the beauty of it was is like they used each other by the end of the second day. They, I wasn't the, the holder of all the knowledge and the expert. I just helped pave the way a little bit for them to explore themselves and, and get and the beauty is they're going to turn around and do this to kids and i think also being selfish like i wish somebody would have worked on me with this when i was a kid knowing that we're doing this with children selfishly like my kids are going to grow up in the world that the students at my school are running i would be an idiot not to teach the kids at my school how to be really good people because they're going to be running the companies that my kids might be working for so i want them to have good bosses, right? So again, that's very selfish of me to want something that good for my own child, but it's the right kind of selfishness uh, as opposed to being selfish for a, a new car or 
or material things or anything like that. And, and by no means do I want to sound like I'm some type of perfect human being. Like I have so much more work to do on myself. Um, and I try to every day, but I'm surrounded by wonderful people that help me and support me doing that. And, you know, I get to come to your group and do it. When I leave those things, bro, I am like buzzing. It's like a high. I feel so like jazzed and pumped up when I'm walking out of those places. And I always, I call my wife and I just talk like a mile a minute. I can't stop talking about how awesome the people were. Not anything about me. Like I didn't do it. Like they did it. So it's, it's good to be selfish when it's done in the right way. Right. And we uh, we started our conversation at the last treat about you know just asking this question of of defining success like what does success look like and we started kind of throwing throwing ideas at the board and, you know of course like money and job and you know all these kind of worldly views kind of started coming coming together and and then someone said relationships and you wrote it real big, circled it, highlighted it, kind of pointed, started to all the everything else. And it's just like what you talked about. It's just, it's people. Mm -hmm. It's, it's relationships. And, and uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the more we get into this digital age, the more we, you know, find success by uh, wealth and money and standards and trying to do everything on our own, uh, it's funny. I, I'm re- I, I picked up a book at the library um, by author Tim Grover. It's called Winning. He was he was the coach for uh, Michael Jordan and, and uh, Kobe Bryant. And I'm honestly having a really hard time reading it because all he's doing is talking about like how they all did it alone. Like they all like just their mindset and you know, like they did it everything on their own. And, you know, they, they got up earlier than everybody. Like they did it all, you know, they, they worked harder. They crushed it. They, you know, hustled and grow, you know, they, they grind, like they did all this stuff on their own. And like every chapter, aren't there is, five dudes on a basketball team? There's five dudes the on a basketball team. At any yeah. given time. Oh, yeah. I just, I just, I just, yeah. just basic question. I just yeah. want to make sure I understood yeah. that, that. And like, it's just, I like, didn't know there was a single player ever took on an entire team in one. Right. Anyways, well, and that's, ahead. But that's, but that's what he like, that's what he's like, he's, you know, talking about winning this winning mindset of, you know, I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to do it all on my own. Like, if you're not with me, I'm going to crush over you. And like, I guess that's the mindset that MJ and Kobe had. I'm just like, I can't finish this book. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's really hard for me because that's not, that's not what success looks like. And, and, you know, I, like you, I, I want my kids to know that too. And so like, as a parent, you know, how do we, how do we combat that in a way that, because they're getting all that stuff from the outside world, they're getting all oh, that yeah. stuff from, from advertisements and social media and internet and oh yeah, other adults and other human beings. Like how, how do we combat that? You know, and, and you're, you're, you're hitting a, 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 a big challenge of our work you have to understand the demographic that I work with is very low socioeconomic, a hundred percent, a hundred percent of my kids are on free and reduced lunch. Majority of them come from single parent homes. And so that little phone is actually their window to a safe place when they're not at school. Right. So they're getting fed all this stuff. And then at school, like, I, I, I get really frustrated with my young teachers who are like, well, Jones, how come I, I'm a science teacher. Why do I got to teach them about gratitude? And I'm like, excuse me? 
because they're not, I can't guarantee that they're getting it anywhere else. And so we got to, we have to play that role. Right. So if we're asking ourselves like our own children and we know they're being bombarded, whether that's social media, friends, whatever, with all kinds of things, we can't shelter them from it. We can't put them in a bubble and cross our fingers that nothing bad happens to them. And then they get to 21 years old and hopefully they go get a job and get like, you're all you're doing is waiting your whole life for your kids to grow up. Like that's terrible. <laughs> and so if I can't shelter them from it, but I know it's going to happen, then how do I use it? Like, how, how do I use those in my conversations? How do I create a space with my, my kids that they're comfortable enough to talk with me about how they're feeling? Um, how do I create a space where my kids can talk to one another about how they're feeling? Like, Growing up, never would I have even uttered a word to my brothers about like emotions or how I was feeling like we just beat the hell out of each other for 15 years. You know, like everything was about sports and competition. Nobody ever sat us down and, and talked to us about that. Not because my parents didn't love us or didn't care about us, but that wasn't part of their upbringing. So they didn't do it to us. And so I'm, I'm working on what does it look like to break that cycle with my own family and use the things that are going on around my kids to talk, which sounds a hell of a lot easier than it actually is right like i don't want my kids necessarily interacting with some of the violence that's going on right now and i don't want to hide from it so like what's the safe way of having a conversation with them about that that doesn't actually just open up another bigger door of, of, of trauma or poor experiences for them yeah dude and you know i want to be conscious of uh of time here because i'm I, I my mind started going through yeah we I could go ask, for another I hour ask jones this i want to ask jones that i want to you know <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I want to, I want to wrap this up, but encourage people, Hey, like this, I love this conversation, but this conversation in person is vastly different, right? It's a very different conversation to do in person. It's a very different conversation to do amongst a group of individuals who can then take this stuff and start talking about it more deeply. Cause I'm even thinking about, you know, I'm still thinking about, um, you know, this idea of this independent person doing like the, what a what a lie it's such an interesting lie that we all have bought into especially americans for the last and it's 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 really curious that it's almost anti what you know thousands of years of human interaction and being in a tribe and going out and hunting and killing and gathering and being part of a community that the 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 reality and the truth of that versus interesting and very easily disproven lie of individuality right like it just the fact of the matter is yeah you can be a unique individual like a jordan or a, a kobe but you still have four other dudes on the court with you at any given time like you don't have those guys nothing happens period yeah. so it's so it's such an interesting ignorant thing to say that well, i do it on my own no you don't you got a team yeah. Right. Like it's just, it's not one-on-one. -on -one. And so, it, you know, but getting after some of these things, because I think that lie where it really manifests is we think we have to be that person. Yeah. Like I need to be a guy who has it all together and I need to be a guy who doesn't need other dudes in order to be quote unquote successful. Well, there's so many question marks just in that one statement, like what kind of guy and what, name one person in the planet that has it all together. Like any of these things can really be broken down, right? You start pulling that string. It doesn't take very long before the whole thing unravels. Yep. 
But what's magic is that you get after a lot of these things. We get after it in these retreats, in the group, any conversation with you is it really helps to pull the truth out. And that truth empowers us to be better, to grow and to thrive. And that's where we all want to be, right? Regardless of your political, I would encourage everybody go find somebody who you're politically uh, completely unaligned and, and go have a conversation about your families and then see how quickly yeah. you start realizing, oh, we actually have a lot in common. Like this other stuff is kind of stupid, right? Like just do stuff like that. Challenge yourself a little bit. And, and you realize how much we need each other, how much we truly have in common and and what thriving could look like when we get past ourselves. It's a beautiful thing. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think something that 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 started to surface a little bit in our last meeting that I, I should have dove into a little bit more, but we have way more things that bind us together as human beings that are challenges than we do things that are in common with one another as far as whether that be money or likes, dislike, whatever. It's those, it's the things we're struggling with that we don't name out loud that actually way more people are are struggling with as well. Kids, families, relationships. And without talking about it, you can't like you're not we're no we're no we're not that winning book like we're not the individuals that just figure it all out on our own like it doesn't it doesn't happen so i'm 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 excited i'm excited man i'm excited to explore with y'all again and, and 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 hopefully meet some new faces yeah dude you know one thing i'm struggling with a lot jones is um having a, a best friend like my my best friend um i just struggle with that individual so i'm always on the lookout for a new one but yeah, he's always so Jones, and you can we'll dive on this in another, you know, probably a one-on-one session. But <laughs> Stu doesn't realize because he's not self-aware that he struggles finding friends because nobody likes him. <laughs> <laughs> and so what he should be doing is saying thank you to me for enduring and continuing to uh, be his friend when so many don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> well. Dude, I would offer to be your friend. I got too many as it is. Oh, right now. got yeah. you, got you. All right, all right. Uh, I, th- I thought we were friends already. That's, oh, yeah. Right. No, sorry, we are. That's, that's oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, we yeah, just, we're like, of it, Jones. I'll, we're Facebook I'll catch friends. You, right? uh, we're still doing lunch, right? We're still doing lunch today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, Stu. You didn't oh, know about that. Oh, My bad. Jones and I are going to go. We're actually going to do lunch, and it's probably going to go into dinner and some drinks. Yeah. It, whatever. No big deal. Well, if, hang out if anyone, if anybody wants to add to Jones's friend list. Come to uh, the next retreat. Uh, he's a pretty rad dude. He's pretty tall, so you know, <laughs> be ready to to be looking up and give him a hug. This uh, this is always the worst part. People are like, yeah, great. How do we get people in contact with you? Uh, I don't do any social media of any kind. I don't do any promotion. I don't have a website. Uh, it's literally word of mouth. And I and I tell people all the time, I'm like, it's nine seven zero nine eight eight three zero two. Call me. You can actually just pick up the phone and call me. I'll talk to you. Like, we'll just figure it out that way. What? You have to call somebody on the phone? That's crazy, Todd Jones. That's crazy. Well, dude, this has been a fun conversation. Uh, I know we got to jump off. Uh, guys and gals, hey, we'll uh, we'll put some uh, links in the show notes. Uh, nothing towards Jones because he doesn't have anything. He doesn't have a website. He doesn't have social media. We will put uh, a link to uh, the retreat to come join us. There are still some slots available. Um, and uh, come hang out with us. Come be friends. Come learn about uh, redefining success. Uh, it's an awesome, awesome time. I promise you, you will be uh, thoroughly better for it after uh, after coming and joining us. Yeah, I appreciate Don't... you. Thanks, man. This was awesome. Thank you.
Thanks, B. Jones. You're the man. Love you, dude. We'll see you soon. Peace out. See ya. Man, we have exciting news. We're opening up the next house of the Kinetic Man Mastermind. I tell you, it's the most important hour of the week that I that I go to, that I attend. I change every single week for the better to become the best husband, the best father, the best friend, and the best leader in our community. This is a time that you can choose to make a major impact in your life. Go to, to thekineticman.com and sign up. It's an application. It is exclusive. We are looking for the right man to take action and join us to be the hero of their journey. Come join us, thekineticman.com. Do it. Thank you for listening to the Connect Man podcast. If you are growth-minded, community-focused, and willing to take uncommon action to redefine success and live an abundant life, visit our website at www.thekineticman.com to see all the ways we can connect. And on our website, you can find more information on everything we're doing, like joining our meetup page to get the details on our webinars and our local Thursday gatherings here in Colorado. From our site, you can also find more information on and sign up for the next Kinetic Man Retreat and the next house of our Mastermind Group. Finally, we always appreciate your love and support. Please share this episode and go rate us on your favorite podcast player of choice. Thank you again. Now go take uncommon action.